time to lend me your ears. My name is John Caesar, and today we're going to talk about hiring. But first, a quick production note. For those who don't already know, Facebook recently updated their platform to now be able to host podcasts on it, uh, which is great because even if you listen on Apple or iTunes or Spotify or Buzzsprout, if you want a way to comment on each episode or ask questions or feedback or anything of that nature, all the episodes are now hosted on my consulting page, Caesar Consulting. Uh, And you can just go right on there and comment, uh, ask questions, feedback, whatever you want. So it's a lot easier for you to uh, to get a hold of me and for me to hear how I'm doing. So uh, if you haven't liked Caesar Consulting, go like it, follow, subscribe, all that fun stuff. I'm not going to do that every time on these episodes. I hate when people are always like, subscribe, follow. Anyway, anyway, back to what we're going to talk about. Um, hiring. This is uh, by far the number one question that I'm asked uh, when people are asking about business. They want to know how to hire, uh, where do I find my employees and I've also been asked a lot about other processes, so I figured I'd start right here and we'll get into what is probably the most important process when running a business is how to hire. So like I said, the the number one question that I get asked is where do you find your people? And the answer to that is easy. Like if if that was the secret to hiring, then it would be, uh, you know, where do you find your people? Well, I find my people on Indeed, Facebook, and word of mouth. Awesome. All right. Thank you for lending me your ears and have a great week. (laughs) I'm kidding. It's not that simple. Where you find your people is not the biggest uh, issue you should be worried about. You can find people anywhere. I know people that uh, headhunt and they go look for people or they go on Indeed and they actually recruit people and they go asking people to work for them. Or you can go to the, the supermarket and hand out cards to people bagging groceries. Hey, I like the way you did that. Come work for me. Like finding the people isn't really the biggest issue, especially now where a lot, almost everybody is hiring at this point. The difference is how and when that's what it comes down to finding the people that's on you. You can find a ton of different websites and places and just go talk to people and find the people, but how and when are you going to hire? And that's what I think makes the biggest difference with our company and the the success that we've had. So the when is actually a lot more important than people think. Um, There's a lot of frustration right now around hiring. And in my opinion, a lot of that frustration comes from owners and managers needing somebody now. I need somebody now. I need them yesterday. I need them to show up. I need, I got this job. I got this thing. I need people. And that's where a lot of the frustration comes from is you're up against it at that point. You're too late. If you wait until you need someone to start looking, then every second that goes by is crucial. And it feels like crisis mode. Gotta find somebody. Gotta find somebody. And that's when you start saying things like, you know, like complaining about no shows. Oh, can you believe I had two interviews today and they didn't show up and then you see them all over Facebook and they're complaining. This guy didn't show up and I wasted my whole day. And like, I get it, right? No shows are frustrating. It, that's stupid, really. Somebody's going to sign up for something and say they're going to be there and then don't. That's frustrating. But it shouldn't phase you. We get no shows all the time. You're not going to hear me complain about it because it's a very, very small part of the wheel. It doesn't even phase us. We just move on to the next one. Actually, forget no shows. Like we get people that, that don't show up. Fine. We've actually disqualified people for being late to the interview. Like if you're scheduled for seven and you show up five minutes after seven, turn around. Thanks. Position's been filled. It hasn't, but it's not going to be filled with you. (laughs) If you're late for the interview, we don't want you. 
that's that's the the idea here. Like the hiring process is so much bigger than one individual applicant. So you're probably thinking, what is he talking about? Like no shows don't bother him and people are getting turned away from interviews for being a minute or two late. Like, how does that make any sense? It comes down to when. When should you be looking for new applicants? Always. <laughs> the answer is always. Now, I'm not one of those people that's always hiring. Like I see trucks and companies running around up here that they got it, it it's permanently labeled on their vans. Now hiring, always hiring. Like it's not like that. It's not a turnover issue, but we're always looking. We're always advertising. We're always interviewing. Always. The ads are always out. If you go on Indeed, it doesn't matter if it's July 4th or Christmas Day, there's going to be an ad up from Caesar Chimney looking for help. Does everybody always apply? No. But if you wait until you need someone or you know you're going to need someone and you, you need that seat filled yesterday, then you can never put it up soon enough. And nobody, no amount of people can sign up fast enough to make you happy because you need that person now, the job's got to get done. And that's where the frantic frustration sets in. If you're always out there hiring, always looking, always at least taking applications, now you can build a deep bench. Now you can have that stack of applications on your desk and you tell them, hey, we're not hiring right now. I think it'd be a really good fit. Um, Can we call you back in a month or two? A lot of them will say yes. Now, in a month or two, are all of them still going to be looking for a job? Probably not. But the more you interview, the bigger stack you have, the deeper bench you have, you're going to get people from that when you need them. That's also how you get over hiring. I talk a lot about our floaters. We have we have overhired at Caesar Jimmy to the point that we run two man crews in each van. But then, depending on how many vans we have, we have at least one extra person for every two vans. We just overhire, so we have extra technicians that can fill in at a moment's notice or give extra hands on a job or stay behind at the shop and help clean up or they can do any number of things, but they're there. And I say that to people, I'm like, well, just overhire. And they laugh it's like, oh yeah, yeah, overhire, right, in this market, right. I can't even get one person to show up. I hear that a lot, but it comes down to when are you hiring? If you're looking for one person tomorrow, yeah, you're not going to be able to hire that fast. If I need five people by next year, I'm hiring for them now. And if I don't have room for them right now, I'm going to hire them now, train them so that they're ready for next year when I need them. Because if you hire somebody like right now, like there's a lot of people I see on Facebook looking right now, middle of November for, I need help. I need help. Somebody get a job. I need experienced people. I'll give you this much money and benefits and this. And it's crazy. Everybody's looking for people now. I don't want to hire now. No way. (laughs) It's terrible. One, I can't train them. We're crazy busy. Everybody's all over the place running around like chickens with their head cut off. How am I supposed to give good training to someone? And then two, you're going to take this new person that's never seen chimneys before, most likely, and throw them into the fire in the busiest time of the year. That's They're, they're going to hate it. <laughs> this is not the time to be hiring. So when? You should always be looking, but when should you actually be hiring? Well, first of all, you don't hire when you need someone. You hire for when you're going to need someone. You're like, what? This guy's not making any sense. I know. Hang with me. How are you going to know when you're going to need people, right? Well, I'm glad you asked. Be intentional about your hiring. Don't let your season or your workflow dictate your company growth and your size and your decision making. Be intentional about it. Don't wait until you lose someone or you need someone to start looking. You hire them on your schedule. So chimney sweeping is easy. 
It's cyclical. We all have the same kind of season, the same kind of flow. We all have the same crazy busy time. We're in the middle of it right now. It's the fall. Doesn't matter if you're in California or in sunny temperatures or freezing northeast or wherever. For some reason, customers think they need to wait until the fall to call. I've tried everything, TV commercials and PR and and just I've done so many different advertisings trying to say, hey, please call now in the spring, in the summer. For some reason, everybody still waits till the fall to call. Fine. It happens. Chimney sweeping is crazy between Labor Day and Christmas every year for everybody. We know that ahead of time. We all talk about it. The fall's coming, crazy season, busy season. We all know it's coming. Why not prepare for it? So two or three years ago, I did. I'm like, you know what? Last year, we got caught with our pants down and we didn't have enough people and the work was crazy and we couldn't keep up. And I've been there. I know where everybody is when they're like, I need people now. I've been there. But when you plan for it, it's not as bad. Like, let's say you know you had this major, big, difficult event coming up next year. Let's say you're going to run a 5K. <laughs> that sounds terrible to me. I'm not a runner. So let's go with that. You got a 5K coming up next year. Are you going to wait until the day or the weeks before the race to start conditioning? <laughs> I mean, you could, but you're not going to do very good, right? You have to start now conditioning, preparing, getting ready so that you can perform when you need to. If you wait till the day before the 5K to go, maybe I should start drinking water. <laughs> like, like that's not going to help you. Same thing with this. If you know you're going to have a crazy busy time in the year coming up, plan for it. So we decided to do that a couple of years ago. Finally, <laughs> it took me a while. But we have, this is our mindset when it comes to a year in chimney sweeping. With the fall in mind, you know, knowing that that's coming, our mindset is we educate in the winter, we hire in the spring, we train in the summer, and then we flex in the fall, right? <laughs> it's just, I didn't name it until like two days ago and I was trying to figure out how to say that. But that's been the mindset for the last two, three years because we, we don't want to get caught with our pants down again. Now, of course, we overlap. It's not like we only educate in the winter. We educate and we train and we hire all year round. But in those seasons, that's the focus for each season. The winter, it's slower for almost everybody. You get more free time, whether you like it or not. That's usually when the most classes are, the conventions and seminars. And it's, you know, the industry knows that's the time to educate. Even if you're not going to those, which you should be, you have more free time. Use that to train in-house. Talked about that a couple episodes ago. That's not a bad thing to have time off. I remember when I used to work for a company that laid me off from Christmas to April, that it was miserable and I hated it. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? And I can't afford it. And it was bad. And then we'd pick it back up in April and run with it for the rest of the year. But it was when we started working year round, I realized just how much I needed that time off. Because working this industry year round, front to back, no downtime, suicide. It's going to kill your body. And I didn't realize it. So now we schedule time off on purpose. I gave everybody in the company vacation time after a certain time being here. And I tell them, use it in the winter. I will pay you to not come to work so you can rest. Use it when we're slow. And they do. But if they don't, we still use that time to train. I got two weeks scheduled off this winter where we're not going to book any work. Everybody's going to come in kind of relax. They're not going to be worried about stress and schedules. It's going to be cold and miserable outside. We're going to take the time off at least two weeks, maybe three, depending on the schedule. I'm going to pay the entire company, office included, to build chimneys, to line chimneys, to clean the shop, to sit through slideshows and classes. And we're going to sharpen our saw together to prepare for the crazy spring, summer, fall that's coming. I talked about we did that 
uh, two years ago when COVID happened, we were forced into it. We had to take two weeks off because we weren't sure if we were going to have a company. And the company grew from those two weeks. That was like the starting point for Caesar Chimney 2.0, I guess you could say. The company exploded overnight. It grew and grew and grew. We didn't do that this year because we had so much work that we didn't have time to stop and slow down. So we just kind of powered through it. Like, we got this. In between not taking time off and then all the conventions and seminars being online and nobody really wanted to do it. And the, like the fervor wasn't there for education. You got to feel the, the morale go down. It was like, oh, okay, another day on chimneys. Like we need that. You need that time to stop, slow down, sharpen the saw, catch your breath and start up again. So the winter, that's what that's for. It's slower. You get more time. There's classes every five minutes all over the country. And you get that time to, to kind of refresh yourself. Then it's spring, right? So we get out of that funk. It's starting to warm up a little bit. Work starts coming back. A lot of us that are forward scheduling get the phone ringing and the calls coming in. And now you got, you know, the sun's out. People are thinking chimney repairs, hopefully. You get work. It's not as hectic as the fall. So you can kind of keep the same pace and the same schedule you had at the end of the busy season last year. Same amount of vans, same amount of people, same amount of work. Start a little slower. Take your time. Ease back into the year, right? So think about it. You have the same amount of people with a lesser schedule. What a better time to train people. (laughs) What a better time to bring them on when it's the calm before the storm. Temperatures aren't crazy. The work isn't overbearing. That's when you hire. It doesn't matter how many technicians you have either. You could have one the previous year. You could have three or five or 20. It doesn't matter. When you make whoever you made it through the last year with, you should know if they're ready to run a van or not, if they're ready to go to the next level, get certified, get educated, put more training into them. You should have an idea come the spring after a crazy busy fall and then all the education in the winter. You should know who's ready for the next level at that point. So you know how many people you need to hire to get another van or another two vans or whatever you want, or maybe start hiring floaters. But you should have an idea at that point how many people you need for the coming year. And I'm not thinking, I'm not saying start thinking about who you need to hire for the spring in the spring. No, no. How many vans do you want to run by the fall? Remember, everything is aimed at that because that's the, the end all be all to our season, right? That's our Super Bowl. So aim for that. How many vans do you want to have on the road Labor Day? If you have three now, do you want four? You want five? Do you want to stay at three? What is it? You have to know your direction so that you can plan the rest of the year, right? Like if you don't have enough people working with you right now to form a solid foundation of of leads, right? And you have three employees and you want to have seven vans on the road. That's not attainable. You're not going to be able to fill the three, te- the three techs you have now and then four extra people plus their technicians. Like you have to, you have to plan it out. It's based on your previous year. So where are you? How many vans do you have right now? Out of those vans, how many people would you trust with six months of training leading a van come Labor Day? These are the thoughts you have to go have going through your head. That's what we do. We hire all these people. They go through a crazy busy fall. We go through the winter and do conventions and training and all this in-house stuff. Spring comes and we start sitting down. And we're like, okay, who's going to run a van this fall? We're thinking that in March. You have to be. You can't wait until August and go, okay, you know what? Maybe we should put a, t- a van or two out. We need to hire experienced people. Like that's, that's backwards. You're not going to get the culture. You're not going to get the growth you're looking for because it's not planned. So put your feelers out in March, April, start putting ads out, uh, indeed listings, wherever you put out, doesn't matter where, but put out wherever you put out for 
job listings, and then start scheduling the interviews regularly. Doesn't matter. You don't need them, right? It's not like overbearing. It's not time sensitive. If they're like, yeah, I can't come in for two weeks. Okay, cool. You know what day works for you? Wednesday? Great. Here you go. There's no rush. You just put them in and they show up. And then interview for two, three, four weeks, maybe whatever you need. Just interview depending on how many people show up. Think about that. When you need one person and you schedule one interview, you're like, you're like, oh, it's a warm body. Oh God, I need, you're like, come on, can you, can you show up? Can you breathe? All right, get in the van. Like you win. That's terrible way to hire and run a business. If you hire for a month straight, regardless of how many people come in for interviews, might be, let's say one a week, you get four people. Might be four a week. It doesn't matter. If you get between four and 20 people, you have more than one to choose from now. So now you can take your time. You can vet them a little better. You can talk it over. You can have them come in for a second interview. There's a pace to it. You can slow down because you're not rushed. You don't need them overnight. So you hire in the spring. We'll get to what to look for in a little bit. But then you get to the summer. See, that was another reason we started with the overhiring with the floaters is because the summer sucks. (laughs) This job is terrible in cold temperatures. It's even worse in the summer. Now you're up three stories in the air, could be 90, 100 degrees, you got to add 20 degrees because of the roof reflecting it back. So now you got 120 degree temperatures and you're supposed to go what? Build a chimney in July, June? It's off. It's it's bad. So uh, for a long time, I just did it because that's all I knew how to do is just go out and do it and make it work, figure it out, right? You start hiring people and expect them to do that just because, like you did, you're going to have a rude awakening. (laughs) They don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to, but I had to, right? That's the difference. So here I am with these two-man crews building chimneys in July and climbing up on these scorching hot roofs. And I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, figure it out, make it work. You know, why are you running behind? (laughs) It's the worst time of the year to be a chimney sweep. So we originally started hiring uh, summer labor. We'd have like high school kids and uh, it was like a mini internship. We'd have uh, like 16, 17, 18 year old kids come in and they would be the ground guys. They would clean up the bricks and rake the yard and, you know, get the tools and just kind of, be, they couldn't go on the roof because labor laws. You have to look into that. Uh, if you're under 16 or under 18 in some places, they can't even touch a ladder. So be careful hiring underage um, children, really. <laughs> um, but that's what we did. We had the underage kids for two, three months in the summer come work and there would be an extra set of hands. And what a difference it made because now you can be on the roof doing all the the technical hard work and the labor, but on the ground, you don't have to worry about it. The ground's being cleaned up, stuff's getting put away, tools are being brought. Like it's just, it flows. And we would get into kind of a groove every summer where it would be easier than we were used to until school. School starts when? Labor Day. <laughs> so at the same time that our busiest time of the year starts, we would lose these helpers that we had been so dependent on for the last three months. And overnight, we just poof, hit a wall. <laughs> We're like, oh God, I don't want to go do this work with just two people anymore. We got spoiled. I'll be honest. That's what it was. But when you go three months with having that third set of hands, it hurts when they, they just disappear overnight. That's where the overhiring came from. We we're like, okay, we're hiring in the spring. We don't really need you know, we need like two people really so we can get these next two leads into a van so we can have five for the, for the fall, but we've got four really good applicants and I don't want to make them wait two, three months and maybe lose them to another job. So what are we going to, I mean, well, let's hire for the summer. So we did, instead of having, uh, 
miners come in and help, which by the way, don't do like I said, you might get in trouble. We just started over hiring. And this way they could help us and then not have to leave in September when we needed them the most. So it just kind of made sense. Instead of hiring and losing, just hire and keep them. And they were like, what are we going to do for them in the fall? Like we've never had people after the summer that just extra hanging around. So we started brainstorming. Okay, well, I mean, it would be nice to have extra hands in the winter too. And it'd be nice to have, you know, somebody to be able to, and it just started growing from there. That's where floaters came from. So because we were over hire or because we were over interviewing and because we had a crop of really good applicants, just hire them, do the math and what that comes out to at your starting pay for an extra week. And you'd be surprised how much that, that affects your efficiency, right? Let's say you start at $20 an hour. They work 40 hours a week. You got $800 a week. Is it worth $800 for you to get your rebuilds done a day early? Or to be able to have your guys not burn out in August because they've worked all summer long and they're dying from the heat and they're cramping up every five minutes. I've been through that. We've we've all had that happen because we're pushing ourselves to the limit. This has to be a two-man job and that's the way it's always been done. We're going to get out there and just show how tough we are and then die. I don't want to do that and neither do my employees. So we overhired. But at the same time as overhiring, now we're training. If you have a third hand on the job, now you have some extra time for the lead or the assistant. You have you have somebody there that maybe they were just hired and they're your floaters. We've done it both ways. We've had experienced people be the floaters and we've had the brand new people be the floaters. It works both ways, whatever you need it to be. But if your brand new hire, instead of day one, has to go into a van and go right to work and figure it out under the stress and pressure, now the first month he's with you, he gets to go out and bounce around from job to job and watch and learn and ask questions and, you know, try stuff. Hey, you know what? You want to try laying this brick? Okay. All right, here, take this. This is how you sweep a chimney. Okay. You train them on, on the job. I know we all think that we're amazing trainers when we're running a van and that we can take this new technician that's been put with us and train the entire job, but we don't. We don't. You got too much going on. You're thinking about the job and the estimate and the parts didn't come in and the guy in front of you driving like crazy. We're not good at training from the driver's seat. We're just not. No matter how good we think we are, we're not. If you could train because you had an extra hand there helping you and you had more free time, think of how much better your employees would be. That was really the key for us, having that extra set of hands and eyes there to learn and do without having to be under the gun. That is where the growth started to come from. So that's what happens in the summer. We hire in the spring, most likely overhire. Those overhired people, the extra people, the floaters, whatever you want to call them, then they either get to jump in and help or they get to train a little longer. And now we get extra help so the guys, the experienced guys aren't dying in the summer. And we practice, we train, we hone our craft, we make sure that all of our processes are put into place. We were figuring out holes and what are we going to do for here and how's that going to work and what is it going to be like in October? And you just plan. And then fall comes right? Now Labor Day comes. You guys are educated. You've been to a bunch of classes and seminars and you've done a bunch of in-house stuff. You've hired, hopefully you've overhired. You got a couple extra hands. They're new, they're fresh, they're ready to go. You've practiced all summer long. You've made some mistakes. You were able to correct it before it got really serious. You had people there to supervise, so it wasn't terrible. You've made your changes you need to to the company, maybe in your organization, maybe in the way you do work, maybe your SOPs. You prepared for it. You got your vans all lined up. You got everything bought that you need. You got all the employees that you're going to need. 
and Labor Day comes. What do you do now? You flex. (laughs) That's what you do. You get to work. You go put everything that you've been planning all year for into action and you go. Now, don't make any big changes after that. I have to say that because I've made that mistake too. You're in the middle of October, November. Don't go making big, huge hires and promoting people and moving things around and trying new softwares. And Don't do that. The fall is crazy already. You already know the customers are going to be crazy. The employees are going to be crazy. The schedule is going to be crazy. Don't go adding to it. Don't do it. Have that preparation to prepare for three quarters of the year so that you can just kill it for the last quarter. So that's our mindset. Educate in the winter, hire in the spring, train in the summer, and then flex in the fall. Now, (laughs) if you're one of those companies that right now is trying to hire anybody that will walk in the door and you're looking for experienced help to run a van tomorrow, I've been there. I get it. I'm not, it's not wrong. You just didn't hear this podcast soon enough. I get it. I should have done it sooner. Just put this on hold and come back to it in January. We can start back up again. It's okay. If you're in the middle of it, just go with it. Just power through, get to the end of the year and then start over next year. Start up with a a plan in mind for next fall. Like, how can we not go through that crap show again? (laughs) That's pretty much where a lot of my processes came from. I don't ever want to deal with that again. I don't want to ever get caught with my pants down again, or I don't want to get, I don't want to do that again. How can we make it better? And you look forward. This also goes back to uh, what I talked about with running a van or running a company from the front seat of the van. It's doable, but it's hard to look ahead. You end up with this tunnel vision where you're just focused so hard right now on this job and today and tomorrow's job, and it's hard to plan for the future. So that's where a lot of this comes from, is a lot of the front seat van operators, they struggle, they get frustrated, they're upset, and they think that the whole world's against them. It's not. I can tell you I've been there, I've done it, and it's you, (laughs) unfortunately. It was me too, in the way that the leader, the person that's supposed to be out in front set in the way, has his head in the trenches. You know, you got his head up a chimney. That's, it's hard to lead. It's hard to plan when you're there. I didn't make any of these grand, wonderful changes that I talk about in my podcast until I got out of a van. Then I could think, then I could breathe, then I could focus. I remember at a, uh, we were doing a Christmas parade one year and we're lined up and we had wrapped all of our vans in uh, lights and we built this uh, roof and chimney set up in the back of the truck that one of my, it was one of my sons dressed up as a chimney sweep and stuck up through the chimney and was waving and throwing candy. And it was just great. It was a great time. Everybody's lined up. We were all in matching scarves and matching hats and the, the vans are all lit up and it's great. And one of my employees turns to me and he goes, how did you ever manage to put all this together? And I said, to be honest, <laughs> I was thinking Christmas in May. And he kind of stared at me. He's like, What? I was like, you probably think I put this together, what, like last week, two weeks ago, Thanksgiving? He's like, yeah. I'm like, no, there's no way you make this kind of progress two weeks ago. I've been planning Christmas. I was buying top hats and brushes and Christmas lights. I was buying them in May. I was preparing for this so that we would be ready. That's what it takes to be a business owner. If you're flying by the seat of your pants and making decisions for next week, tomorrow, today, it'll work for a while and you just end up feeling tired and run down, and like nothing ever works, and why is everything working against me? And it's just that frustration. That's where it comes from. If you can sit back and you can plan next fall right now, what would it look like? Yeah, that's a scary thought, right? That's what you need. Plan way ahead of time. 
So we talked about when to hire. Hire when you don't need people. Hire when you have the time to train them. Hire, for me, that's in the spring, right? Now, what do you do when they show up for the interview? Who are you hiring? The best I could, the best advice I can give you is hire for character, not experience. I can't stress that enough. I've been down this road already. Hiring experience, technicians isn't bad. Let me get that out of the way. It's not a bad thing to hire somebody with uh, experience. It just matters how you do it, right? Hiring somebody else that's experienced sounds like a really good idea. They have training, they have certification, they have time in, they have, they have, they have, they have. You're hiring based on that resume. It's just, ah. But you're probably not going to find someone that thinks and acts just like you. They're not going to treat your company the way you treat it. They're not going to act the way that you act. They're not going to talk the way that you talk. They're not going to work the way that you work. They're just not you. That should matter to you. For those of you like, I don't care. As long as you can run a van, put them in the van. Good luck. (laughs) Have fun with that because I've done that too. Culture is key. You hire for culture, not resume. In my experience, you hire somebody that's experienced, and I'm saying that with air quotes, you have to retrain them, which in my opinion is way harder than training. If you're training somebody from the ground up, I'll take five of those over having to retrain somebody else. It might just be they do things different than you. They just don't use the same tools or the same setups or their van wasn't the same or whatever. It might just be different. It might be bad. You don't know what you're getting. You don't know where they worked before or how they were trained or what their quality of work was or what their standard of care was or how they treat it. You don't know. You don't know. You should find out, but be careful because you're going to end up retraining. Depending on the character of the individual, they may not want to be retrained. I've had four experienced hires at my company. The first three, I was in that mode we were just talking about. I need a leader. I need it now. I need to grow my business. I need somebody to come in and tomorrow run the van and go take off and make me lots of money. (laughs) That was the first three. They were hired for their tenure and their experience. One of the guys I hired had been in longer than me and been certified longer than me. I'm like, here we go. He was the one that was supposed to replace me. He was supposed to take my van so I could get out and run it. And I'm like, you've been experienced longer than me. You've done this longer than me. You've been certified longer than me. Let's get it. Worst hire the company's ever had. (laughs) Worst. I didn't ask where he worked before or what he was used to or how he worked. I didn't uh, interview him in any way. I didn't you know, try to see what he was made of first. I just gave him the keys to a van and said, go. All three of those people wrecked my company from the inside out with their bad habits and their poor work ethic and their terrible attitudes. They were cancers. You know the cancers too. They're the ones that uh, the other employees talk about. Oh, I don't want to be with him. Don't put me in a van with him. I don't want to do it. You hear it. Listen to your employees when they say that. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Just get in there to be fine. It's great. It's, it's fine. He can make money is all I was saying in the back of my head. He's going to make me money. I don't care how you feel. I should have listened to those employees because they almost wrecked my company. All three of them. They weren't hired all at the same time. They were hired, I think, three straight years, different times. They never worked together, thank God, because I think the company would have imploded. But if you hire somebody else's bad habits or somebody else's poor training or somebody else's poor character or poor attitudes from another company... Retraining that is 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 tough. Let me tell you, it's it's really tough. You hear a lot of things like "That's not the way I've done it," or "This is the way that I do it," or "That's not the tools that I like to use," or "I'm going to do it my way." And then I started hearing from the technicians, from all three of them, things like, "Well, I know John wants it done this way, but this is how we're going to do it." That's just undermining me. That's just, it, it's cancerous. So, culture should matter to you more than their resume. 
I promise you. Train and the other thing is if you're looking for experienced help, usually you hear that now. You don't really hear that in the slower times. Hey, I need an experienced person. You can't afford them then, and you don't need them then. That's when you're supposed to be hiring. <laughs> I would never hire an experienced person in April because I don't need them. But everybody needs them now, right? You need that extra van. You need that extra lead. You need somebody to take some of the, the work off your plate. That's a bad time. It's, you're working from a position of weakness is what that's called. You're at their mercy. You need them more than they need you, and it could hurt you. It hurt me three straight times to the point that my employees told me that like, we are not hiring any more experienced people. I'm like, excuse me, I'm the, my name's on the van. They're like, yeah, I know. Good. We're not going to work with them anymore. Don't do it. I was told that that's how bad it was for us to hire experience. So we gave up fine. We'll hire green and we won't hire experience and we're going to have to fight and we're going to have to claw and it's going to be terrible. And it wasn't. Using what I just told you, that mindset of hiring in the spring and training intentionally and getting them out practicing way before we need them to, the company grew and it grew fast and it grew well and they were trained and the attitude was good, morale was up and profit was up and everything's good, life is good. And then we got another applicant and he was experienced. And instantly, myself and the hiring manager both looked at it and went, nope, (laughs) like, no, not going to do it. Been there, don't need him, done. That's the difference, right? I was always told in sales, if you sell like you don't need the money, you'll do great. It's true because when you don't need something, you're not going to overextend yourself for it. We didn't need an experienced technician. We were doing really good. And it just kind of sat there and I was like, I kept looking at this this name and this application and I'm like, but but we could in, in Max is like, no, <laughs> no, we're not doing it. We're not hiring another one. And I thought about it. I said, here's the difference. The last three people that we hired that were experienced, we hired them, and within like a week or two, they're in a van. They're out there running crews. They're running jobs. They're out there without a leash, and it was a a terrible disaster, all three of them. He's like, right, what's your point? I was like, what if we could find someone that's experienced but willing to start at the bottom and work their way up? And Max's like, you're not going to find that. (laughs) I said, we don't know that. He goes, yeah, think about the last three. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. But what if? So we talked about it. We decided, let's give him an interview and let's see. We brought this technician in, explained it to him. Hey, we've had a really bad run of uh, hiring somebody else's problems on us. We were very honest with him. Like, hey, so uh, we'll hire you, but you're not going to run a van. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to have a desk or a title. You're going to be just one of the guys and you got to work your way up. And he's like, absolutely, I can do that. We're like, all right, we're off to a good start. That's humility. You can't, you can't train that. That just comes. You got humility. I'm like, all right, we're off to a good start. That technician now is one of our leads. He did work his way up. He started at the bottom, quiet, humble, helpful, worked his way up, worked his way up. He's now one of our top guys and does some of the best work our company has. And (laughs) it was funny. I was at a job with him last week and he was talking about how I never really mentioned names in my podcast because... I never really ask people ahead of time if I can bring up their stories or talk about stuff. So I just say, I have an employee, had an employee, whatever. And I talk about Max and Rick and Jill a lot because that's my core people. They're my managers. So I just throw their names out. <laughs> I'm at a job. And he goes, you know, you can mention other people's names behind besides Max and Rick and Jill. I was like, yeah, I know. So I'm going to mention his name now, Jeremy. <laughs> you're killing it, buddy. Keep up the good work. I know you're listening. But anyway, it can work. 
you can make an experienced technician work for you if you're not grasping at straws to get them. If you need them right now in November and December and you want to put them in a van tomorrow and run your van without any of your training or your culture, I haven't seen it work yet. I just haven't. It's a, it becomes a cancer very fast. Higher when you don't need them. Whether for experience or in whatever it is in the spring, in the summer, higher when you don't need them and then pour yourself into them. Train them up your way. Show them how you want it done. And if they don't work, then it's not, you don't have to worry about ruining the fall because you've got four or five months before then to, to figure out if they're going to work for you or not. You hire somebody in March, letting, having to let them go in June isn't going to completely derail your fall. You've got time. That's what we're going to talk about next week is what do you do once you have hired them? How do you how do you keep track and make sure that they're doing what you want, acting the way you want, learning at the right, you know, just make sure that they are doing what you want. Well, that's training and review. And we have a really good process for that too. A lot of it is Max. Uh, so I can't take all the credit for it. Most of it is Max. <laughs> but that makes all the difference when it comes to uh, your employees and knowing if they're doing what you want. When we talked about inspecting for what you expect. You expect a lot out of them. We're going to talk about how to inspect for it and make sure you're getting what you what you want. So that's all I got for this week. Uh, I don't know if you can tell or not. I had to do a lot of cuts in this one because I'm fighting some kind of a throat cold. So I'm not having a lot of fun talking this time. But uh, hopefully you got a, good, a lot of good information out of this one. If I could stop tripping over my tongue. <laughs> Next week, we will talk about... Uh, training and reviewing and how to inspect for what you expect. So until then, have a great week and thank you for lending me your ears.